In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. The gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Everybody and welcome to Good News for the City, uh, the broadcast partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC. My name is Brian Bales, and I get to be your host today, uh, as I am many days. I'm the lead pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. If you've been listening to this show at all, you know that usually I have a co-host here with me. In fact, he's usually the one doing this introduction. His name is Dennis Williams, and he is director of minister relations at WAVA. Dennis has taken some well-deserved and earned time off here in the month of August, so I'm going to try to do this solo. But even though I'm doing it solo, we're going to be talking about the same types of things we talk about every time we gather together on the show, and that's the importance of the gospel and how the gospel can change everything. In fact, it's our tagline for this show. It is the gospel that makes a way. And the topic of today's discussion, in many ways, is very unique. Because it's the first time we're talking about this issue of racial reconciliation from this particular perspective. Longtime listeners of the show know that unity is one of the pillars of, of One Heart DC and that unity is one of the things that drives what we're talking about here at Good News for the City. And we've talked about racial reconciliation many, many times. And for the past few months, you know, we've been talking about what it looks like many times between white communities and black communities. But For the past few months, as we've seen numerous protests across the country, unfortunately, some of those times, we've seen protests and demonstrations get out of control, and it turned into something different than what it was designed to be, looting and rioting. And the impact that this had on communities and business can be devastating. And these businesses aren't always businesses that are run by the white communities or run by the black communities. They're run by other communities of different races and backgrounds here, even in the Washington metro area. And so joining us today is someone who has had firsthand knowledge of this sort of tension and what's happened, and he's going to share his experience and insight. And we're going to talk about how, again, it is the gospel in Jesus that can bring reconciliation, not just between white communities and black communities, but also between any types of communities, specifically Asian communities uh, and white communities, and specifically we're going to talk about uh, black community. So uh, we have with us Pastor John Cha. Pastor John, thank you uh, for joining us today. Hi, Claude. Uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's a privilege and it's a joy for me to be here. Thank you for hosting this segment with me. Uh, well, I, I'm glad to do that. Let me tell people who are listening a little bit about you. Uh, Pastor John, or as he's told me off air, as his people there at church affectionately call him PJ, uh, he is the lead pastor at Open Door Presbyterian Church in Herndon, Virginia. He graduated from the University of Virginia and Regent College in British Columbia. He and his wife, Leanne, are now enjoying their 20th year of marriage uh, and their 20th year of ministry there at Open Door. They are also having a a wonderful time raising three teenage children, David 17, Noah 15, Hannah 13. Uh, His hobbies include long drives, yard work, good movies, eating out with staff, going out on walks, date nights with Leanne. And it actually says here, John, that one of your hobbies is Costco runs, but I'm sure in the pandemic, 
you've had to cut back on the samples because that yeah. Costco run has changed a little bit over these last several months. Yeah, uh, it has. Yeah. yeah, but thank you for joining us and thank you for uh, what you're doing. Hey, as we begin, can you just share a little bit about your church right there in Vienna and the work that your church is accomplishing there in that area? Yeah, uh, sure, Brian. Uh, so Open Door Presbyterian Church uh, is a multi-generational uh, Korean-American immigrant church. Um, so we have three different generations on our campus. Uh, the first generation are the recent immigrants who speak only in Korean. Uh, that's their language. Our second generation are the children of the first generation who grew up only speaking English. Um, and our third generation, they're the ones who basically were born here, uh, were raised here. And so we have a single vision at our church to be an open door to a life-changing grace. But how we experience it, how we communicate, how we practice that vision is different based on culture, language. So uh, we have a tagline at our church. Uh, we are a church of one vision, two households, and one family. Mm. Uh, so our relationship in Christ, our vision is what brings us together, but how we practice it, um, it's separated uh, in terms of, you know, our, our generational uh, culture. Um, lately, all the generations, we've been much more intentional about living on mission. So we want to uh, just be gospel communities that are sent in the everyday. And so for our church, what it means uh, for us to uh, practice our vision, uh, we just want to reach out to our neighbors, uh, to our local schools, by our churches, um, by our, with our ethnicities um, in the area who don't speak English, the homeless, um, and we just want to reach out to them. Um, we are a church of about 3,000 members currently, yeah. so um, it's, a, it's a sizable church in our neighborhood. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things unique as we've been talking about your experience is that based upon the description you just gave, you kind of fall in that second generation category. In fact, as you told me, uh, it was your father uh, as an immigrant that founded uh, this church many, many years ago. And, and when he founded the church and his experience over the years has seen uh, some, some impact specifically about racial uh, reconciliation or rather better said, racial uh, hurt and racial division that yes. needs to move to racial reconciliation, specifically in some areas that, that, that frankly, from my end, I really hadn't thought much about until uh, we began to take a look at this topic here on Good News for the City. And that is the collateral impact that when um, people who are hurt and people who are, are damaged and they, they're speaking out through uh, many, many different ways, and in a lot of the ways, the protest. But then when that hurt that happens to grow a little bit and move from protest to something bigger, sometimes yeah. uh, that we've seen in the news in many ways, we've seen people turn to looting, people yeah. turn to rioting. There is there is collateral damage that happens. And, and many times uh, in the communities where a lot of this is occurring, uh, the business owners and the people who are experiencing uh, the looting, the people who are experiencing the damage from the rioting are Koreans or Korean Americans specifically who have gone into a community who have been working very hard and, and have been trying to put a business together. And now um, what they've worked for because of the challenges and the difficulties of the riot or the looting that came out of something that was supposed to be different, uh, they're, they're having all kinds of challenges. Can you sort of 
maybe share it a little bit for those people like me who are just becoming educated on a lot of this type of nuance that I wasn't even aware of. Can you share a little bit of your family's experience? Sure. Um, so my father was the uh, pastor of the immigrant congregation here, the first generation. And so the majority of his members, they are business and shop owners. And a majority of those shops are located in inner city D.C., uh, often in black communities. Now, this happens not just with our church and here in D.C., but it's in major it's the same trend in major uh, cities abroad. Uh, and just to give a little bit of a background, it's because a lot of Asians and more in particular Korean uh, immigrants, when they come, their number one priority is to prov uh, make opportunity and provide uh, for the family and provide for the future. And so they go to places where they can set up businesses. Now, there's no way they could set up something in Tyson's or in, in these more up, upper and uh, sub, suburbs or malls. Uh, they go into the places where real estate is, is inexpensive, and so it's more in the inner city. So they start um, businesses there. Now, what starts to happen is because they're living in, um, in the suburbs, but they work in the city, what ends up happening is they uh, bring in the revenue of, of the neighbor, neighborhoods, uh, the neighbors in the city, but then they go back out into the suburbs. And so they don't really pour back into the city. They don't live in the city. They just uh, retreat back to the suburbs. Now for the black community, um, they're wondering, you know, where are you? You are, um, you're here for us just to, uh, earn our income or the revenue from us, get our business, but then uh, you're, pres you're, you're not really present in the neighborhood. And so that's automatically there. Um, whenever there are riots, whenever there's looting, it is often uh, these uh, stores and markets that are uh, targeted, a lot of it because most of them are owned by uh, Korean Americans. And um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of violence. Um, in our uh, generation, our parents' generation, I would say every business owner uh, faced uh, at least one assault, um, armed robbery. Um, several were actually um, tra tragically shot, you know, in our church. Um, one of our staff members, one of our pastors, um, his mother was sent to the hospital twice, beaten as well as she was shot. Um, and our staff, I mean, this, this was just a recent reference, but he was watching that, um, uh, that biography or profile uh, on Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. And um, his mom owned a shop in Chicago. And he just remembers after every game that the Bulls won, their shop would get destroyed and looted. And um, he dreaded it. He was a, he was a Bulls fan. Uh, it, was the, it was the dynasty of Michael Jordan, and they won a lot, and he would just dread whenever they'd win because his, his mom's uh, shop was right, it was right there by the stadium, would just mm -hmm. get looted uh, so after every time. So obviously, when patterns like this occur, it, it has you know, long-term effects yes. post- whether it's, you know, a, a singular incident brought on by a victory uh, celebration, so to speak, or whether yeah. it is something 
much more significant in regards to um, the idea of uh, tensions that occur in neighborhoods that are unresolved, that only the gospel can resolve. Sure. It creates long-term issues with re- rebuilding and, and economic impact. And, and I think there are a whole lot smarter people than me, for sure, that can talk about those sort of things. For me, I'd like, though, to, to take a little time and, and to have you talk about maybe something that, that people aren't aware, and that is then that tension because of what you just explained that then rises and has happened over the years between people in the Korean community and people in the black community. Sure. Um, and you got to keep in mind this. Um, the Korean immigrants, store owners do not speak English. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. a very key uh, factor here is they don't know how to communicate. Um, all they know is transaction, business transaction. Um, and so now if you add to that um, history or background of violence, you now have these bulletproof shields that are going up barriers. If you ever walk into a DC convenience store owned by a Korean uh, shop owner, you'll see you like metal grills as well as um, bulletproof uh, shields just all over the place. Uh, for those of us, uh, the listeners who are in suburbs, imagine going to your local Costco or grocery store and seeing those things up. Just what it kind of communicates, what it conveys and that's your everyday. Um, yeah. see all. Um, and again, I think for the black community, um, and I've heard this from my black brothers and sisters who shared with me, it's they view the Korean shop owners as, again, you come, uh, you get our business, and then you go back to your suburban home. And um, again, there's not that sense of pouring back into the neighbor neighborhood. So what about um, when it comes to these sort of tensions when they boil up in that way, what is it about how the relationship is, if I could take it in a slightly connected direction, between uh, the Korean American community, so to speak, in these areas, and and police then? Is there this sort of feeling that it creates, again, additional animosity that they're not being protected? Or how how does that interact? Right. So... The, time, the place where I'd like for us to really kind of learn from is in 1992, April, the L.A. riots. Um, churches, especially in L.A., still speak about that. And um, it, if you remember after uh, the Rodney King verdict with mm-hmm. the riots um, happening in L.A., what happened was that Korean store owners were left to protect uh, their businesses and their employees. Um, the police were not there. Um, so just to backtrack with, with all of our stop shop owners, they were all saying the police are there in terms of every day, but it's during riots. It's during protests. It's, it's during um, these exceptional, you know, times and events where the police, for whatever reason, they're not there. It's left up to the shop owners. Now, if you watch or, or read any documentaries about the L.A. riots, you'll see some pretty um, jarring scenes of shop owners' kids. These are like college, you know, recent college grads. They're 20 years old. Uh, the, the articles will say they've never held a gun before. Now they're, you know, with rifles at, on their rooftops, and they're guarding um, they're guarding their parents' shops. And um, the two quotes that I hear often about the L.A. riots 
Uh, one is um, uh, with regard to the police and with the government. What one was they left us to burn, um, so everything was caught on fire. People were uh, setting businesses on fire, and the police weren't there. And then the second quote that you read often is "We're trapped." So what happened was the police actually um, closed off roads leading from the cities uh, or L.A. Koreatown city into um, the suburbs. So they didn't want what was happening in the city to flow into the suburbs. So basically everyone, the Korean shop owners, as well as um, people in the black neighborhoods were just just trapped in there and they literally felt trapped. And I think, and thank you for, for sharing that context. I think uh, as I preach, and I'm sure you do this from time to time, I, I always tell people when you pick up scripture, if I have to give you three words uh, that are the most important, like in real estate, they say location, location, location. Right. I say, when you pick up scripture, if I'm going to give you the three words to me that are most important, it's context, context, context. Because right. context is super important in understanding how we react, how we read, and how we understand. And, and what you've just done for me personally, and hopefully for our listeners as well, is give a sense of context that maybe they weren't aware of that then leads to where we find ourselves today, because given the history uh, of the effects of, of looting and rioting and those tensions uh, between Korean Americans and uh, black Americans in businesses and all of that, what has been from your perspective and your experience, uh, the first, uh, the second, even the third generation, so to speak, uh, group of people you said, uh, and how they're looking now at our current times and how this is playing out. Great question, Ryan. Um, we're still trying to figure that out as, as a church um, because it's now not just between Korean Americans and, um, you know, whites or blacks. It's it's within the Korean American church. There's the first, second, and third generation. They're all experiencing it very differently. The first generation, they're silent, um, part partly because they can't speak the language. They don't know what to say or, or, and they're not really aware of all the um, uh, politics and uh, as well as the, you know, the venues within the government and ways of getting engaged and, and involved. I also want to say for the first generation and maybe many listeners aren't aware, they, they lived through a war in Korea. Mm. Um, They lived under occupation um, they're used to adver- adversity. So when they come to the U.S., their mindset is we're the outsiders, we're the minority. Our number one priority is to make a living and provide and make opportunity for our future generation. So when they encounter racism, it's uh, it's not like it's something uh, just all of it, just shocking to them. Um, okay. So there's that. And I, I guess what all they do is just go through the trench. They just, you know, fight that fight. Um, and they're quiet and they just persevere and, and just quietly go through it. The second generation, m- vast majority are in support of just issues of justice. Um, we are much more um, fluent in, in what's going on with yeah. uh, social issues. We are approaching the first generation and some of us are saying, are you racist? Because you're you're so you're quiet on this, and the first generation, their response is, "We're not racist. We're just went through it, and yeah. a lot of it on the receiving end. Um, a lot of it, we have also 
you know, partaken in it in terms of our uh, perception of our uh, black uh, neighbors. The third generation, they are even more um, engaged and uh, just wanting to learn a lot more about the social issues. And I think that's really interesting that you just highlighted again, something that I use this term in, in all the proper ways that we may be ignorant of, lack of knowledge, you know, in helping us understand why is it that, you know, we, again, w one of our problems we have in racism is we see a race and we, we draw caricatures or conclusions about how people act or those sort of things from an experience. And, and you're helping us understand very uniquely, and I appreciate it, especially when you're talking about the first generation that come over. I never, never even crossed my mind thinking about their Korean experience and how that specifically, you know, highlights and, and affects how they're now having their experience in here in the States. Now, as your church moves forward, as we talk about here at One Heart DC, this idea that it's a gospel that makes a way, and in the last three minutes or so, what have been some steps that you've taken to help improve uh, some of these relationships, whether it's between business and community or just community to community? Sure. Um, so some of the steps that we've taken, um, the first generation, our, our pastors have been speaking a lot about forgiveness. Um, and the source of forgiveness is, is not coming from the neighborhoods um, or their own experiences. It comes from Jesus Christ. Um, and we're able to forgive as we've been forgiven. And um, that has been um, that has been preached, and it's it's been something that uh, in our uh, first generation small groups, grace communities, they call them, uh, they've been just unpacking that. For the second generation, we see ourselves more as the ones who can advocate, the one who can build bridges between the first and second generation. We're the ones who speak English, so with our parents' businesses and with their neighbors, uh, there are things that we can do to build just relationally uh, build a bridge, support ministries in the city is mm -hmm. something else that we can do. A few of us, and this came out from the LA riots, are running for office. So we have quite a few, um, especially in LA, and they would point back to the LA riots as the reason why they are running for office is because they grew up watching those images. And what they're doing is they're working together with a coalition of other minority groups and really, um, you know, promoting uh, awareness and issue uh, issues and platforms that will benefit the whole neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, for us as a congregation, we're just listening and learning. Um, and we're trying to uh, build places of reconciliation through prayer, uh, supporting each other through uh, prayer rallies and even protest marches. So we're, we're trying to be there for our uh, black brothers and sisters, especially in the church. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate the humility to what you just shared all that. I love that, that listening and learning, uh, sitting down and hearing other people's experience. And, and frankly, today, it's been a great day for me to listen again and to learn. And so thank you for, for what you have shared, Pastor Chaw, Pastor John. And if you want to know more uh, about his church and about his ministry there at Open Door Presbyterian Church in Herndon, you can go to www.odpc EC. That is www.odpcec.org. Uh, and you can get a chance to find out more about the church, uh, more about their heartbeat, and how they, uh, as you've been sharing already today, and talk about reconciliation that really only happens through the gospel. And, yes. and that reminder uh, of forgiveness 
that that source of Jesus Christ in that way. Hey, just I want to ask you one quick thing. Maybe give me 15 seconds of. Could you encourage someone out there today? Because I think someone needs to be encouraged from what you're hearing, what they're hearing. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things that we're reminded here at our church is um, that the kingdom of God has come, that the reign of, of, of that Christ came and he's king and that his reign is, is advancing. And um, for us, it's not a matter of what we can do to influence, but it's, it's what Jesus has already done through the cross and that he is doing all around us every day. And thank you for that. And, and thank you for listening and thank you for being a part. And thank you for, again, as, as we continue to walk through these unprecedented times to focus on Jesus Christ. And it's something that we say over and over and over again in a world full of need, in a world full of questions. They're all seeking something, but there really is only one answer, and that is Jesus and what Amen. Jesus does to the truth of the gospel. And as we say over and over again for our listeners and for us to remind ourselves, folks, remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.